Good morning, NFL fans. This is the NFL All 32 podcast. David Hassagan here with the Czar of the Playbook, Emery Hunt, Troy Anthony, and Alex Marinoni. This is the Week 9 preview presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Another wild and wacky week of just terrible outcomes, especially if you were on the betting line. I'm not going to even bring it up, Troy, <laughs> personally to you. It was just a very, very strange week. But we're now pretty much at the halfway mark of the season, folks. It's going to start looking like playoff time pretty damn soon. We will talk about that, our playoff teams in the NFC and the AFC, as well as our offensive and defensive players of the year. We're not going to talk really about the MVP about that because that gets talked about too much. We have had we have an angry quarterback. We've got quarterbacks coming back. Uh, we've had some ridiculous touchdown throws and catches to talk about this week, as well as some teams that are now pretty much just battling for the number one draft pick in the next year's draft. So let's get right into it, folks, and let's start with the games from this past week. And let's start on the Thursday night game, Minnesota taking on Washington. Not a very pretty game between these two teams. Vikings get the win 19-9. The Redskins continue to struggle. Stephon Diggs, another nice game, 140-plus receiving yards for the third consecutive game. Minnesota 6-2. and not a lot of people, though, are overly sold on this team just yet. Well, they played a tough game, and the Redskins do pose a unique challenge. It's just interesting to see every time Dwayne Haskins gets thrown into the game, it's either it's from an injury that we never really see what happened to the previous quarterback. I don't remember seeing uh, Keenum getting hurt in no. either the Giants game or this game, so I don't know what the deal was, but it's it's hopefully this lets guys start games and play out the rest of this season it's like it's like the injuries you see in hockey where it's just lower body injury what nobody knows and nobody will tell you moving to sunday now the seahawks taking on the falcons we thought the seahawks might get a comeback in this game and they did 27 to 20 closer game than what we expected maybe from the falcons they showed a lot of fight at home still couldn't get the job done but the seahawks 4-0 on the road to begin the season yeah, Seahawks continue to rely on the run game. Chris Carson getting 20 carries for 90 yards. Russell Wilson just doing enough. 14 completions, 182, and two touchdowns. Matt Schaub on the other side, 460 yards passing, one touchdown and one interception. Continuance for the Falcons, put up a lot of yards, but end up losing. Come up just short again. Another team that came up short was Buffalo. We didn't expect them to get see that many points against Philadelphia, but they did. 31-13, fly equals fly. No one saw this one coming. Jordan Howard had a nice day, 111 yards from scrimmage. But Buffalo's defense, they found some holes. Yeah, it's back-to-back weeks now where Buffalo's defense hasn't been the uh, stout uh, shutdown defense as they've been all year. Uh, but Philadelphia in a must-win game with the way their season has been reeling. This was a big make-or-break week for them after three straight losses or two straight losses. So um, they answered the bell really well. And what you like to see in this one, Carson wants under center a little bit more. And going back to a couple years ago when he was using his legs more to pick up some first downs, he had, did that late in this game to uh, put together these last couple of drives to really put this game out of reach. Talk about another ugly game. The Chargers taking on the Bears. Oh, wait, wait, what was that? Melvin Gordon got a touchdown for the Chargers? Finally! But they get the win, 17-16. This one was really, really rough at the end, though, and Troy is leaving the room as we speak because <laughs> he doesn't want to even be here. Bears had every chance. Can't convert again. Said every week, the Chargers and Texans play the same game. No surprises <laughs> came down to the wire. Chargers should have easily handled this, this team, and Chicago should have easily handled, in my opinion, 
Los Angeles because they had opportunities to hit plays deep down the field. Trubisky missed all of them. And so here we are. Both teams were three and four, uh, two and four, four losses entering this game. And they're playing the same, you know, style. So Chargers got the win. But, man, it was an ugly one. It, it seems like this is a weekly thing. It, it's just like with Jerry Jones firing coaches. This will be the week that Garrett gets fired. This will be the week. It's Now it's this is the week Trubisky gets benched. This will be the week Trubisky. It, it, there's no way he can survive. He survived again, and it's not turning out well. Lions taking on the Giants in Detroit. Lions got off to a fast start in this one. Giants came back nicely later in the game, but 31-26 to Detroit. They're now 3-3-1. Giants fall to 2-6. and six. Seven touchdown passes in the last two games for Matthew Stafford. Yeah, this exactly what you would expect from Matthew Stafford. You knew he was going to be slinging it in this one. Finished with 342 and three touchdowns. Good to see uh, Kenny Galladay got back in the mix. Uh, got his two touchdowns, 123 yards receiving. Lions, on the other hand, with um, on Johnson going down last week, they really had running back by committee in this one. You would have thought that Ty Johnson would have been the number one guy. Turns out it would be Trey Carson. But for the Giants, on the other hand, Daniel Jones looked pretty good. Ends the day with four touchdowns. Yeah. Um, Lions held Saquon pretty much in check, only 64 yards on the ground, averaging 3.4 carry. Got loose a little bit through the passing game, eight catches for 70, 79 yards. For that Giants team, it just seems that they can't play a complete game. Either their offense does defense and the uh, does well, and the defense just kaputs, or vice versa. In this one, the Giants' offense did fairly well, and the defense was just nowhere to be seen. Maybe that's the problem. If the offense is doing defense, maybe that's the issue. Maybe <laughs> that, they should be playing in the right position. But you're right, Saquon. Saquon definitely had a better game, and he also might have ended a poor <laughs> defensive back's career on that one run. Just get off of me. Uh, Houston taking on the Raiders. No J.J. Watt, and we also learned this week he is done again for the rest of the season. Deshaun Watson, though, now second most touchdown passes in Texans history. This is one of the better games of the weekend, though, 27-24. to Good ball game in Houston. Yeah, and uh, this is a, lead, uh, a game where Oakland had the lead for a majority of this game, but um, with the struggles in the beginning, Deshaun Watson and company, Deshaun Watson really just kind of buckled down and did his thing. He's a gamer when the game's on the line, and uh, that last drive and that last play you saw in that game was pretty much everything Deshaun Watson is, making plays that you don't expect him to make. 279, three touchdowns, adds his 46 yards on the ground. The guy is everything for this team. Spread the ball out nicely and might have had a nice little... Uh, Nice new target, or I should say favorite target in Darren Feltz, who's come up with two more touchdowns of this week. Very true. We'll have to keep on that. And especially if you're a fantasy owner, might be worth considering. Jaguars taking on the Jets. Minshew, we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, he really hasn't been up to snuff what we thought he, we would get from him. He was had a much better day against a better defense this week. 29-15 over the Jets. Three touchdown passes. That's career high for him. But the Jets continue to struggle. The pressure just mounting on everyone in this organization now. Hey, they got to find some offense. And credit Gardner Minshew because I think right now you're starting to see him just play solid football uh, at that position. It may not be flashy. It may not be dynamic. He's doing what they need him to do to win. He's playing a lot like Nick Foles. We'll see if they can continue. But right now, to be honest, the Jaguars are a very good football team. Four and four right now. They're very much in the conversation. L.A. Rams looking for a comeback against the Cincinnati Bengals. They got it easily, 24-10. to 10. Cooper Cup with a career-high 220 receiving yards. He continues to be a stud for that offense. Bengals had no answers, but the Rams showed like they may be going in the right direction. Yeah, the Rams had played a good game out in London this past week. Um, I would have thought that they would have blown out the Bengals by even more than just what the score showed. Yeah. But it seems as though this, this team is running through Cooper Cup. Whenever he has a great game, yep. that's when the Rams are really performing. The Bengals, on the other hand, Joe Mixon, 66 yards, 
finally gets good production out of Joe Mixon. Granted, only 3.9 on the se- on on the day average per carry, but we've seen less than that going forward in so far this season. Yeah. So good to see that Joe Mixon is actually getting some type of production. But everybody knew that the Rams were going to take this one. Broken thumb? What broken thumb? The return of Drew Brees in New Orleans last night as they took on the Cardinals. Didn't look like he missed a step at all. They win 31-9. Cardinals, again, offensively, not completely inept, but just overmatched by the Saint defense. Yeah, this is a complete Saints team. This is uh, arguably the best team in the NFC right now. Um, and when th- the Cardinals, Kyler Murray and company played very well, uh, just couldn't get in the end zone. Uh, but, it, I mean, Breeze, Bridgewater, it seems to not matter with this Saints team. Everybody's clicking all cylinders. Latavius Murray, another big day in the absence of Kamara. And Michael Thomas has just been showing out all year. doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball. He uh, goes over 100 yards and a touchdown again. This Saints team, with that defense, just right now looked like the team that won this game by almost 30 points. More controversy in the Music City in Nashville. Titans taking on the Bucks. Titans get a nice little benefit in this one. They win 27-23. Mike Evans does pass James Wilder for the most receptions in Tampa Bay uh, history, but Tennessee gets a nice little gift in this one, and again, the referees decide a game. Yeah, and that was a huge play in this ball game, and I like how you you saw Bruce Arians come out and defend James Winston for a couple of those interceptions. The one I saw that I knew he was going to get blamed for that wasn't his fault was the second one that went over the middle of the field. The receiver, it's, it's cover two, is too high, and you're supposed to cross the face of the safety and split the difference between the two. He stayed upfield. Jameis expected him to cross face, threw it right to the safety, and everyone said, man, where's Jameis throwing the football? I was like, man, that was that was bad on the receiver. I'm glad yeah. to see Arians come out and say that. However, you expect your defense to get a couple of stops, and they really didn't slow down the Titans enough to where they can get the win despite – the issues that they had. Titans 2-0 since the quarterback change. 49ers taking on the Panthers. Where has this 49ers team been for the last decade and a half? 51-13. That's the most points the 49ers team has put up since week 16 of 1993. It's the best start they've had since 1990. This 49ers team, they're being called by some the best team in the NFL. Yeah, these are two, te- two teams who have been playing similar so far this year. Great defenses, but the Panthers' defense did not show up at all. The 49ers ran all over them, and we knew going into this one, both teams wanted to run the ball and play good defense. One of them did that in the 49ers, routed them. Jimmy G, all of the same, pretty much manages the game, does enough. The running game, Tevin Coleman went off. 105 yards, but added three touchdowns on the ground and one through the air. A complete game for the 49ers. Let's move now to Indianapolis. Another defensive struggle this week. Colts get the win, 15 to 13. Adam Vinatieri, you know he he does he's not known for clutch kicks at all. It's a 51 yarder with 22 seconds remaining. Colts get the win. They're five and two on the season. Broncos though, there's a little trouble in paradise. We'll talk about a little later, but yeah, we'll get to that. But with the Broncos defense stepped up again this week, they had that really rough game in uh, Arrowhead last week, mm. but the weeks prior have been playing well and been have been much better. Really had the lead in this game all the way to the end. Uh, but a big shout-out to Jacoby Brissett. Nearly taking a sack on Von Miller in his own end zone. Was able to find a way to break out of that and throw a dime to T.Y. Uh, T. Hilton on the sideline to extend the drive and give Vinatieri, who missed a field goal, actually missed two in this game, give him a chance to win the game. And Vinatieri, when, it, when the clock's about to strike zero, never seems to fail. 
New England hosting Cleveland. No real contest in this one. Patriots win at 27-13. Bill Belichick, his 300th career win as a head coach, including playoff play. This Patriots team just gets better and better every week. Nick Chubb with two fumbles certainly cost Cleveland in this one, but would it really have mattered? It probably wouldn't have mattered. However, you do have to give credit to the Browns' defense uh, because outside of that initial flurry, they really held the Patriots to, what, 10 points after that? Granted, the weather was bad, but the offense for Cleveland didn't show up until later in the game, so it's a good team win once again by New England. It was a nasty weather day up there in in the Northeast yesterday. Last game, the Sunday night game, Packers-Chiefs. Aaron Rodgers has got to be an MVP finalist right now. This is absolutely incredible, but what a game for Aaron Jones. 220 yards from, 26 yards from scrimmage, two touchdowns. Also racked up 41.6 fantasy points. That must have been nice for some of the fantasy owners out there. They get the win 31-24 over the Chiefs. Yeah, who would have thought that Aaron Jones would be the Packers' leading receiver on the day? (laughs) Seven catches, 159 yards, and two touchdowns. And that one pass from Aaron Rodgers where he's under pressure, and it looks like he's just flinging it out of bounds, finds... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> finds Aaron Jones right in the corner of the end zone for the touchdown. Aaron Jones definitely has to be in the MVP race. On the other side of the field, Matt Moore. I give big ups to Matt Moore. In he this had a one. nice day. He definitely did. I didn't think that he would be able to keep this Chiefs team in the game like he did, but he, he did have a good game for them in that Sunday night matchup. And going forward, if Mahomes is to miss more games, I think that Matt Moore will be able to get the job done for this Chiefs team. Talk. You talked about that throw. What was the more ridiculous throw and catch that this past week was it that one or Deshaun Watson getting blinded getting rubbing the mud out of his eye and then throwing a touchdown pass because both of those are just ridiculous that, that's got to be out there for play of the year both of them yeah without a doubt I mean <laughs> watching both of those throws you thought Rogers like you said before was just throwing that ball away you throwing the that in the row 10 and it ended up being like <laughs> the like, most how? precise pass the only spot you could put it for uh Jamal Williams to make that catch and then uh, and then Deshaun Watson's, I mean, it's hard because Watson's might not have been as pretty, as precise, but considering it was for the game-winning play and it was like, I mean, I don't know. I he mean, almost gets sacked he was, twice. And he was blinded on the play. I mean, <laughs> and f- rolled his ankle or whatever. <laughs> he sprained his ankle. I mean, I don't know. That was, But that's just, I mean, that's why you pay these quarterbacks sometimes. Everything, and that's went, it. everything went wrong except for the pass going into the end zone and being caught by the right team. That, that was Everything else was just terrible in that play for Watson, <laughs> but got the job done. Anything else that Anybody caught your eye uh, this past week before we get into some uh, some interesting news and notes? Anything? Nick Bosa, perhaps? <laughs> How ridiculous a day he had? I think the. Hey, man, I think, yeah, because uh, Carolina's franchise quarterback, Kyle Allen, had a bad day. So. <laughs> was, this another, was this week as glorious for you, Emory, as last week was? or is I was kind of in and out this week, just kind of like watching games because I had to cover one. So it's kind of like just sitting there watching everything just evolve, watching. Um, you know, Bills fans blame everyone but, you know, Josh <laughs> Allen for his play, watching Eagles fans ignore the 200-plus yards rushing on the ground and say Carson Wentz, you know, took over that game. I'm like, I mean, I guess. But he, hmm. so, I, you know, there's there's always some, some interesting things that you see every weekend. Uh, but shout-out to um, Cam Newton because <laughs> San Francisco got his job back. considering that people were out there writing stupidly writing that he shouldn't be the starter when he was fully healthy so well let's talk about quarterbacks because there's uh, as i said there's some discontent uh in some of the teams around the league and that most of it's coming from denver this past week uh joe flacco not exactly pulling any punches at the end of this game uh called out 
pretty much the entire coaching staff for how things were called down the stretch in their game. Obviously, they lost on a field goal. Defensively, they played well. But does he have a point, or is he the main reason why they're making the calls that they're making at this at this juncture? I mean, there's there's yeah, he's everyone involved there is a problem. But I do like how he you know brought it up that hey, you got to play to win and you can't play scared, you can't play not to lose. Uh, but that also goes for Flacco too. You know that was the reason why he was out of Baltimore, playing conservative, playing safe. Uh, playing Rob Johnson like, you know, taking sacks and worrying about his completion percentage as opposed to being, you know, aggressive and going downfield. But yeah, he's definitely dead on with the statement. Is the statement correct? Yes. Should you have brought it to light in front of the world? No. I'm a I'm a strong co- proponent of keep stuff in your locker room. You know, don't mm. sit here and embarrass your teammates, your coaching staff, anybody on the team because that's just going to create bad blood. Granted, it seemed to have worked out for the Vikings when uh, Adam Thielen came and called out Kirk Cousins. Now they pretty much turned around their season uh, to this point. But there's certain stuff that stays in the locker room. If you want to call out your coaches, yes, you do it behind closed doors in front of your 53 guys that you go to war with week in and week out. But this is Joe Flacco here. Like Emery said, that's one of the reasons why he lost his job in Baltimore is because of his play. And if the coaches are making play calls, it's because – if the coaches are making play calls to stay conservative, it's because you haven't shown them enough that they believe in you to actually fling the ball and be aggressive with it because they're sc- probably scared that you're going to turn the ball over. I mean, it's one of those things where that, that's the argument of how do you address a major problem in your locker room? Do you have a closed-door meeting with just the players and coaches and say, hey, this has to stop? Or do you go to the media? And Flacco's decided to go to the media. You could argue either way is more effective one way or the other, but the problem still remains. If the play calling doesn't change, this Broncos team is going to be inept on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, they're fine. Broncos defense is one of the top ten in the league. Offensively, they are just completely inept, and that's not you know having this meeting or calling out coaches is not going to change it. Yeah, uh, and I agree with what you were saying before with uh, where you brought up Adam Thielen. I think the difference when you bring up Adam Thielen's situation is that you can clearly see Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs running wildly open you know all game and they're just clearly it's missed passes and it was getting on his quarterback and sometimes that is the way is to sort of publicly embarrass him because it's gotta you gotta you know i guess fill those juices you gotta do something to get him kick him going the problem is that joe flacco does not have a sense of reality in this situation because he actually thinks it's just the play calling and not him they're like you said they're calling these plays because they don't trust you as the co- the guy to air the ball down the field they didn't trust you in baltimore that's why they went with a the rookie they don't trust you now and i think the reason why he brought it out in public the way he did was to save face. I think he, in his mind, he still thinks he's elite Joe Flacco and that if he does something like this, it saves him than having that closed-door meeting. He's more about him on this situation than it is about the team. Well, I, I would agree with you on some of those points. I will say this, though. This is a guy who's had who had incredible success in Baltimore, and he really didn't lose his job because they benched him. You know, it was an injury problem there. Lamar Jackson just took the reins and didn't let go. So I can understand, you know, I, I don't think it was necessarily that he completely lost that job is that the opportunity arose and Lamar Jackson took it. But it's the same thing. It's this veteran quarterback, though, that's had a lot of success. So you can't really blame him for thinking, okay, you know, I'm a good quarterback. I've done it, you know, most of my career. This is what I'm going to do. But the problem now becomes if you're going to 
you know, if you, you're not the guy, if you're turning into not the guy, why in the world would you make the move in the first place if you're Denver? I think Denver's got a lot of questions to answer here. Well, that's always been John Elway's thing. I mean, luckily, stumbling into Peyton Manning, needing to find a team after his injury, what has he done with the quarterback situation? We've seen those graphics all over the place with the Paxton Lynches of the world and the Brock Osweilers and all these other guys that have just not panned out, the Trevor Simeons. But, I, I mean, that's just been his rap right now. He can't. He likes the big quarterback. Uh, he goes over the size and the prototypical, I should say, quarterback rather than the guys that actually have talent to fill his roster. And it looks like Joe Flacco was just a stopgap right now rather than, you know what I mean? I don't think he ever saw him as the future, but he just needed somebody to be competent enough because he knows he has the defense that we were just talking about. 100% agree with that point. We've seen it time and time again with this Denver Broncos. Like you said, since Peyton Manning, they just haven't been able to land that quarterback. John Elway has tried to draft a quarterback over and over, and it's always the same quarterback, this big 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", guy who has an arm, has a cannon. You've seen it in Osweiler, and they signed Flacco, and they just – don't get the job done for this Denver Bronco team. And there's a window for this Broncos team because they have all these guys under contract right now on that defense. Young guys, they're front seven. They got Chubb and Von Miller. Their cornerbacks are stacked, but they're missing this window because they don't have that franchise quarterback. Well, let's move into the discussion of franchise quarterbacks because now the discussion, we move to San Francisco, and the discussion is have they found their guy in Jimmy Garoppolo? Because, I mean, obviously the, the defense in San Francisco has been outstanding. But at the quarterback position, you don't necessarily need a superstar. You need a game manager, and Garoppolo has certainly done that. But now that you have the question of, and this is something that Rex Ryan said on Get Up this morning on ESPN, is are the 49ers now, with what they have, the team to beat in the NFC? I, I'm not sure if they are. I think you could make an argument for at least two or three different teams in the NFC alone that could beat them in a one-off game in the playoffs. Yeah, I could understand him saying that because they're the only undefeated team remaining in the NFC. So, I mean, like, literally he's right. So you have to respect that. But at the same time, I mean, you can make the argument that the Saints are the more complete team because the Saints have, with just the one loss, you could say that they're the more complete team because they have the better quarterback um, and they've just been doing it longer and have been better for longer. And this is San Francisco's first year right now since – the Kaepernick days where they're actually a legitimate force. So it's, you know what I mean? It's like trying to uh, trump the Saints when the Saints technically should have been in the Super Bowl last year when this is the 49ers' first time. So I can understand the hot take there, but they are undefeated. I, I can understand him saying that as well. You're in the heat of the moment. This like That's his opinion right now. I don't think that the San Francisco 49ers are the best team in the NFC. I don't think they're the second best team in the NFC. I, I mean, I think that the Seahawks can definitely beat them. The Seahawks are 6-2 and two right now, but I think that they're a better team than the San Francisco 49ers. They have a better offense in my mind, and the San, Niners probably have the better defense, no questions. But Garoppolo, I feel right now, is is a, a manager. And if that, rushing, if that running game gets stopped by San Francisco, I don't know if they, Jimmy G will be able to do enough through the passing game to pick up the slack here. Now, I know that Seattle can. Russell Wilson can. And the Saints are definitely a better team in my mind than the 49ers. I mean, they got it done with Bridgewater. Now Breeze is back. Breeze is going to be putting up more numbers than Bridgewater. That defense is legit. It's serious. I think that the Saints can take it to the Niners as well. And if you go to the NFC North, the Packers are playing lights out as well. And in a one-off against the Vikings, I don't know if the Niners can beat the Vikings either because the Vikings' defense is serious, and so is that passing, passing and rushing game. So do they have the hot hand right now? Absolutely. But there's a number of teams that they've played so far that 
if they had if they had played somebody else that week, I don't think that they would be seven and zero. The number of the teams they played are probably not going to be playoff teams. At the, at definitely this not going to be playoff teams, especially yeah. I, I think it was like the first three games of their season were, were all jokes. They opened up against the Bengals. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah was, they, they were pretty much all jokes. The first first couple weeks of the season. Now it's now it's gotten to the point where okay we can take them seriously. I will say this: it's the old cliche: defense wins championships. That San Francisco defense will keep them in every game they play. Well, when you yeah, and I agree with that. And when you look at it now, you mentioned those teams, and I agree with you. The, between the Packers, uh, the Seahawks, you can make the argument for, and obviously the Saints. Take away their quarterback situation. Just take away Jimmy G. Take away Drew Brees and all their quarterbacks, and just look at the rest of the pieces. Do you think the 49ers are the better team? That would be, I guess that would be the better argument. Because overall, with the quarterbacks, I think the reason why the, the, this argument exists is because we don't trust Jimmy G. And I think that's because when it, when the one-off game, you're going to take the better quarterback. You're going to take Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, and Aaron Rodgers to beat them in the one-off. But when you take away the quarterback position and you just look at everything else, I could see where the argument lays be, uh, lies because they have a solid offensive line, three, a two- to three-headed monster at running back, and arguably the best defense of the, of the four teams. So... But I but to poise to your question before, did they find their quarterback? For Shanahan's system, maybe, but in a one-off game, I'm trusting those three other quarterbacks to beat them. Agreed. Again, folks, you're listening to the NFL All 32 podcast. This is the Week Nine preview show. Uh, we're talking about reflecting on Week Eight is done. It's time now to get into Week Nine, and we're going to start with a little bit of breaking news that happened just before we came into the booth to record this podcast for you. Uh, another trade, maybe the beginning of the exodus from Miami coming to fruition. Kenyon Drake has been traded to Arizona for a conditional 2020 pick. Arizona has looked better the last three to four weeks. Now they add significant help potentially to that offense. Yeah, um, Chase Edmonds hurt his hammy yesterday, so it's looking like he might miss a little bit of time, and we don't know what's up with David Johnson in that ankle. He went from being a game-time decision last week, getting one carry, then out for the game, to completely missing this game. So the Kenyon Drake is definitely going to help. He was pretty much collecting dust down there in Miami on the uh, on the bench, pretty much. Mark Walton has been out-touching him. So this addition, with that offense getting better and better, Kyler Murray picking it up more and more, it seems seems like now you add another weapon in Kenyon Drake Alabama running back we know these Alabama running backs can do work with Derrick Henry down in Tennessee Mark Ingram over in Baltimore and now Kenyon Drake here in Arizona yeah and it's uh it's unfortunate because you it really leaves you you don't know what's going on with David Johnson that's kind of the concerning part about this um but Kenyon Drake yeah you're right was getting wasted down in Miami uh he was getting out touched by everybody else it seemed to have moved past him so um Dolphins, though, good for them as far as uh, moving on and trying to get their team established. They're trying to rebuild and do it their way rather than taking on pieces that may not be happy or whatnot. But now at least Kenyon Drake is going to go back to being a productive football player, as it may seem. And I think he actually fits in Arizona in this offense a lot better than what they were trying to do with him down in Miami. They couldn't figure out they wanted to use him and or Walton or and or um, – Kellen Balage, but I think when you look at him being an explosive talent, a guy that doesn't need volume in this offense where they spread the field and they get him out in space, they use their backs in the passing game. He's more of a natural runner again than David Johnson. So this is an upgrade, an underrated move for Arizona. I think a backfield with Drake, Edmonds, and whomever else they're going to bring in, whether they're going to move on from Johnson at the end of the season, this is a good fit. I like this move for Arizona. They got better. Miami got worse because now with all these draft picks, you just better hope 
that they hit on every last draft pick. I get like the more picks you have, the better you know opportunity you have to maximize and hit. But it would be nice if you hit on all of them because you're getting you're letting go good players. Drake is gone. Fitzpatrick is gone. You're letting go good players, and that's never a good thing. Tunsil is gone. So that's three talented players, three starters that you got rid of, um, and you better hope you replace. But now when you replace them, do you keep them? You Same thing it, yeah. with Oakland. You know, yeah. you let go a great player to get picks, and you get guys in. But now when it's time to pay those guys, will you pay them or let them go too? So it could go either way. I'm interested to see how it plays out for Miami in the end. But in the immediate, the Cardinals got a great uh, back in Drake. Let's move on now. We're Right now, we're going into week nine, which means we're at the midway point of the season. It's hard to believe that we're already here. But all the talk is about the MVP, 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 MVP. So we're going to talk about who our offensive and defensive players of the year are. And obviously, you could argue the offensive player of the year already is the MVP because that's never going to a defensive player in the history <laughs> of the modern NFL. And we'll also, I want to talk about our playoff teams too. But let's start with the individual awards, offensive and defensive players of the year and why. And Marie, let's start with you, your offensive player of the year at the moment. At the moment, offensive player of the year, I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey. I still think he does a great job of, you know, being where he's supposed to be and doing what he has to do. Uh, you know, obviously you look at some of the quarterbacks. If this week goes how I believe it will go, mm-hmm. then there's a certain quarterback I will put atop that list right now. But I'm uh, going with Christian McCaffrey. There's a tease in there somewhere. Well, you, you don't want to hit that quarterback right now? I mean, we, we might not be covering MVP next week. <laughs> Did I steal your thunder, sir? A little bit, yes, a little bit. I was pretty much hit all those same points with the, the numbers that Christian McCaffrey is putting up so far. 735 on the ground with eight touchdowns, 343 through the air and two touchdowns. I mean, the Panthers are running through McCaffrey right now. And at 4-3, and three, if McCaffrey wasn't on this team, with Cam Newton being out, with relying on Kyle and Allen, they probably wouldn't have a win since Cam went down. Yeah, for me, uh, Christian McCaffrey's hard to argue, but the one guy I will argue him with is Lamar Jackson. Because Lamar Jackson is honestly playing, you can make the argument two positions, and he's doing it at a high level. He's a top 10 runner, and he's a top 10 passer. So between those numbers, he's got 14 total touchdowns between the ground and the air. He's eclipsed over 2,200 yards, which is puts him right up there with, if you, when you look at the passing yards and you see Rodgers at 2,200 and all these guys 2,100, and he's at 1,650, you're like, oh, well, look at that. But, you know, almost 600 rushing yards as well. <laughs> he's yeah. on pace for what Emery had the take early on in the year with the 3,500 first passer to be first player to be a 3,500 yard passer and a 1,000 yard rusher. He's on that pace right now. So if the season ends with the pace he's at, he's going to eclipse 30 plus touchdowns and those numbers. Which, I mean, if you put that together, it's just how can you not consider that? You did mention Rodgers, and I want to give a quick take from all three of you. Where is Rodgers on your list right now? I mean, for me, Rodgers is probably one two with Mahomes. Going into this conversation, you got to think, okay, those are givens. Who is somebody who's outside the box right now? That would be Christian McCaffrey because Rodgers and Mahomes are probably one, two, even though Mahomes is hurt right now. They're going to be MVP candidates probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, I agree with Alex. That's a quarterback I was alluding to uh, earlier. You know, if they beat the Patriots this week, having two weeks to prepare for New England, and we know how Belichick struggles versus mobile quarterbacks – you have to put him atop of the list mm-hmm. because of those numbers that, right. that, are, that are historic. We've never seen a quarterback do what he's going to do if things go according to plan uh, like they're playing out right now. But if they also stack a win against Seattle 
and now New England, it'll be hard to argue Lamar Jackson against Lamar Jackson. Watch, they'll trade for Flacco just before the playoffs. <laughs> they'll bring him back. Uh, let's get into Defensive Player of the Year, and we're going to start with Alex because Alex has had a grin on his face this entire morning. As soon as we decided that this is going to be a topic we're going to cover, Alex, your Defensive Player of the Year, please. I'm going to get kicked out of the room. That's why I'm grinning because when I say the name, you're not going to let me get to the stats. But right now you can't argue it. It Well, you can't argue it. But Logan Ryan. Logan what? Ryan, cornerback <laughs> of the Tennessee Titans. You look at his numbers, 51 tackles, three and a half sacks. He's tied with the league in 14 pass defense. He's been tested because for some reason they feel like they need to test him over Malcolm Butler. I don't understand. He's forced three fumbles, and he has the three interceptions. He's top in the league in every single category. As far as, I mean, you should look at 51 tackles from a quarterback blew me away. I was, this guy's getting involved in every single play. He's forcing fumbles and the three and a half sacks. He's got, I, I, I didn't write this down, but I believe it's nine or ten tackles for a loss. So, I mean, the guy's all over the field and he's doing it quietly because you're not thinking about it because you think of the linebackers and you think of the guys who are getting the big time sacks. And, I mean, I have also on my list, I got Shaquille Barrett, who's just having an outstanding year. But I'm looking at a completely complete football player. Right now it's hard to argue what Logan Ryan is doing. Nice. Well played. Yeah. Well played. Definitely, definitely you made a case points. for him. You, well did. you did. You did. Give it to you. Um, I was going to go with a, a two twofer right here. I was going to say Shaquille Barrett, yes, he's had an amazing season so far. He started off extremely fast through the first three weeks. I think he had like eight sacks. Currently, he only has ten, but he's still tied for the lead in the league. Also has four forced fumbles, one interception. He's putting up good numbers. But the other guy is kind of – off the radar a little bit, say a little bit. He's part of one of the best defenses right now in the league, New England Patriots. And I'm going to have to go with Devin McCourty. He is, he's been a turnover monster. He's constantly around the ball when that ball is in the air or on the ground. He has five picks so far, 11 passes defense through eight weeks when his high for his career is 17 in one season. That was his rookie season. And he already has a fumble recovery. This Patriots defense we know is historical, and they're being led by Devin McCourty once again this season. Is that two Rutgers references in the same NFL podcast? <laughs> Are you, baby? <laughs> Are you, rah-rah? I thought, I thought you were going to go with <laughs> Stephon Gilmore because um, you could make a case for him being the best player on that, on that defense. I'm going to go with Nick Bosa. I think Bosa right now is, you know, the 49ers are undefeated. They're playing great ball, and he's making impactful plays. You saw him with the interception. You see him with the sack, you know, yeah. damn near every game now. Yeah. And, you know, a healthy Bosa is what we saw as a sophomore terrorize the Big Ten, and now we're seeing it as a rookie in the NFL, and I think he's going to continue to get better and be a little bit more dynamic. They're going to need him to be because, as you guys so eloquently stated, no one trusts San Francisco's quarterback situation. So their <laughs> run game and their defense has been the reason why they've been winning. Um, and Garoppolo has played complimentary football, but he hasn't played $150 million football at the position. Bosa is balling, and I think right now it'll be, it'll, it'll be like what we saw in 2016 with uh, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott where rookies are being talked about as MVP candidates, and I think you could say the same for Bosa. I, I think, and I want to mention something before we move to our playoff rosters. I heard something interesting this morning saying that Nick Bosa and what he did at the end of his college career may affect college football and how players respond to injuries in their last year of eligibility from here on out. 
because obviously he had the injury at the beginning of the year last year, sat out the season. What did that get him? Number two pick, easily one of the best defensive players in the NFL this year, and could be looking at not only defensive rookie of the year, but defensive player of the year. How many players are going to look at that and say, you know what? I'm sitting But out. we've seen that before. We saw Christian McCaffrey sit out the bowl game with a with an ankle injury. Right. Well, we've seen it with bowl games, but not full season. Well, guys have taken, you know, a couple games off uh, longer to return from, from injury. So it's not like we haven't seen it. Uh, you got to stay away from these morning TV shows, Dave, because they're prisoners <laughs> I, of I am, the moment. I am I am giving you hot takes for you to dispel. Yeah, they're, they are prisoners. That's why I listen. I they, listen so you don't have to. <laughs> B-A-S-L. Uh, he, he's there the uh, – they are the prisoner of the moment type players, uh, type uh, uh, discussions, because we've seen this already. Guys take you know their time coming back or don't come back at all, and you know end up having success. Because why would you if you're going to be a first round pick? Yeah, and that was the thing that I was going to mention is if you're going to be a first round pick, McCaffrey and Bosa. Now these are two guys that we knew going into it that they were going to be, I would say, top top half of the first round because we weren't really sure which team was going to gamble with McCaffrey. We know that Bosa was going to be a, a top five pick at the least. But going forward in college, I don't, I, I can't see these guys who are potential first rounders or potential second rounders sitting out for the season after an injury when they want to capitalize on making their draft stock go up. Bosa and McCaffrey, we, we knew what they were going to be pretty much. Yeah, I think that's why it's going to stay – I think it's going to stay as is. It's if, Unless you're, like you guys said, a premier pick or something that's going to really affect you negatively, then uh, then you wouldn't. But I, I think it's going to stay the same unless you're one of those top guys. I don't think you're going to see like a mid-third rounder go, i got to prepare for the, the draft. You asked me why I watched those shows. I just gave you another two and a half minutes of content. You're welcome. <laughs> Let's go into now – we've talked about our midway point. Let's talk about the playoff teams. Obviously, you got your four division winners, your two – wild card teams from each league but now we've gotten a pretty good read on where these teams are at so alex we're going to start with you your nfc let's start with your nfc playoff teams right now right now well i think i think the cowboys are going to hold off the eagles in the nfc east and i think they're going to be the lone nfc east team in the postseason this year um when it comes to the nfc west it's it's seven and zero, six and two, five and three right now with your top three teams. It's it's going to be a fun race down the end. At some point, you're going to have to see the 49ers are going to take a hit somewhere, and it's probably going to be within the division. But with the way that defense is playing, I think they end up holding off a team like the Seahawks, and they they take that crown. Um, and in the NFC North, you're going to have I think the Packers, although just a game above the Vikings, I think they're a better team than the Vikings, and I trust their quarterback more, um, despite how well Kirk Cousins has been playing. He's going to hold uh, – the Packers are going to hold it off, and the Saints are got probably going to be the only NFC South participants this year and win the division. And as far as my wild card goes, I think you're going to see the Seattle Seahawks and the Minnesota Vikings as it stands right now. All right, let's move on to the NFC predictions for you, Troy. What do you got? NFC is tough. I say NFC is definitely tougher than AFC. Um, got to agree with your point, NFC East. I think that the Cowboys hold off the Eagles. Cowboys take that division. Only one team out of the NFC East is coming out. NFC South, New Orleans is one of the best teams in the league right now. I have to give them the division, 7-1. Uh, and one. I think they only get better going forward, especially getting Breeze back. Um, Panthers at 4-3. and three. It's going to be interesting to see when Cam comes back what they can do. NFC West. San Fran is 7-0 right now. Seattle 6-2. I don't see San Fran holding on to this league. 
I think that Seattle is a better team, and I say that Seattle takes this takes this division. Seattle wins the NFC West. That NFC North, the Green Bay Packers seven and one, Vikings six and two. This is going to be a battle down to probably going down to the last game or two of the season. But I will ride with the Green Bay Packers right here, winning this division, so they come out of the NFC North. Now these two wild card teams. That's where it gets kind of tricky here because I'm looking right now. You got Minnesota Vikings 6 and 2 are going to be fighting for it. You got the San Francisco 49ers 7 and 0 are going to be fighting for it. And I also believe that this Los Angeles Rams team 5 and 3 is going to be fighting for it. And like I said, when Cam comes back, this Carolina team can pick it up more on offense. So that's four teams right there fighting for two spots. Who is it going to go to? I'm going to give one spot to the San Francisco 49ers because that defense is ridiculous right now. They are one of the, I would say, three best defenses in the league right now. So that's one spot. And then this last spot, I got to go with the Los Angeles Rams. because no 49ers at all. I just said the 49ers. Oh, 49ers. Okay, never mind. So, yeah, I got three teams coming out of the NFC West. I'm going to give it to the Los Angeles Rams in that sixth seed. I think that McVay is too smart to – let this offense, this offensive running game, continue to lack. There's at some point it's gonna click. Gurley is gonna get going, and when that happens, they can go on a mean run. So two teams out of the NFC West. I'm surprised no three one, teams out of the NFC West. I'm surprised no one's mentioned the Detroit Lions even having a chance, even though they've arguably had a relatively good season so far. Yeah, I don't know about that, Dave, but I will give you my six in the NFC. Uh, East, I like Dallas to win that one. I just think they have Philly's number. I think they're a better football team than Philly. Um, they're going to get better as the season goes on. They're, they don't have the amount of injuries that a lot of teams have. Um, so I like Dallas. I do like Green Bay in the north. Although Minnesota is playing great football, I don't know how long this Kirk Cousins confidence streak can, can, can continue. <laughs> He's been playing great. He's been playing tough with that don't give a F attitude. You love that about it. But is it manufactured or is it something that has – truly turned the corner so I'm out on the Vikings winning the north I have the Saints winning the south and I have the Seahawks winning the west San Francisco plays Seattle twice and if it's going to come down to quarterbacks that have heart that can that you can trust in the clutch those two games will easily go to Russell Wilson over Jimmy Garoppolo despite the 49ers defense being better the Seahawks will find a way to make that game interesting and find a way to win Um, wild cards I have San Francisco. I think they've racked up way too many wins to not make the playoffs. If this was a five and O team with a you know eight game stretch of tough games, uh, then I that then I may be you know hesitant on them. But I think they've racked up way too many wins, and they can find three wins the rest of the way and get into the playoffs. Uh, so I think San Francisco gets a wild card. I also think uh, the Vikings get a wild card because of their defense. So I don't have the Eagles making it. I don't think. Uh, Carolina or Chicago can make a run to turn it around. And the Rams, I think, have gotten behind because of San Francisco's ability to rack up those wins right away and Seattle being Seattle, plus already having a tiebreaker with uh, Los Angeles. I think that's how it would play out in the NFC. Those are my picks. Yes, I was was truly stuck between the Vikings and the Rams as that final sixth seed, but I don't think that that Kirk Cousins will be able to continue the stretch (laughs) going forward. Just keep doubting him. He keeps proving you wrong until he absolutely (laughs) Well, I mean, the shine kind of went off against Washington. Yeah. 
You know, they, they struggled in that game. If it wasn't for Washington's offense going completely non-existent, maybe they get upset. And now it puts even more teams in play in the NFC. And when did that offense com- go completely non-existent? When Haskins came in the game. Right, because he hadn't practiced all week. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Let's go to the AFC real quick, Emery. Who are your AFC teams? Because I think the the division winners are probably pretty easy, but the wild card selections might be a little tough here. Yeah, I'm glad you led with that because in the AFC, in the East, obviously you have New England. Um, and in the North, despite what people are, are, you know, the Steelers' defense has come alive. So they can be a fly in the ointment down a stretch. Cleveland gets back Kareem Hunt. They should lo- rely on the run game, and they could be a fly in the ointment as well. But I have Baltimore winning that division. The South, I have Indy winning the division. Um, they already have the tiebreaker now with Houston, uh, unless they sweep Houston or what have you. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Indy has the better defense. Now with J.J. Watt out, it's, to me it's even more convincing that Indy has a better defense. And in the West, I have Kansas City. The interesting part is the wild cards because the Raiders are not bad at all, quietly. They're competitive, so they could be a fly in the ointment. Buffalo is sitting there at 5-2. and two. They're the AFC version of the, of the 49ers, and I have them as the sixth seed. I have the fifth okay. seed as Houston. Houston's going to get in, but the rest of the AFC, I mean, do we really trust Pittsburgh to turn around right away? Do we really trust Cleveland to get it together? Um, and Does do we, Jacksonville keep it up? Does Jacksonville keep it up? Do the Chargers wake up and you know get back into the mix? We've seen it happen before, but right now, with the way the Bills' defense is playing, I would give them a little bit more leeway to get a couple of more defensive wins as opposed to – granted, they're going to be a, a easy first exit because they don't have any offense because yeah. all the defenses in the playoffs are good. Yeah. You know, and you have to be able to have some type of offense. And if you don't, which they don't, they'll be the first one to get out. But and, I think yeah. they do get in. And you almost could throw Tennessee into the mix because they made the quarterback change. They've now won two in a row. They're at 500. They're at 500. You know, there's uh, – listen. The AFC is just a suit. Raiders, Jags, <laughs> Titans, uh, Bills, and um, Texans are all fighting for number five and six. Patriots win the AFC East. That's a given. <laughs> Shocker. That's a given. Uh, AFC North, got to give it to the Ravens. Uh, no other team in that AFC North looks like they can even compete with the Ravens right now. Um, AFC West, got to go with the Chiefs here. They're they're clearly the best team in that division. Um, AFC South is tricky for me. Yes, the Colts look like a complete team. Yes, Houston looks like a complete team at times. Um, the Colts have owned the Texans, though, last season and so far this season. So, yeah, you got to give it to the Colts. This Houston Texans team, I think, is the fifth seed, though. Uh, I think that that offense, there's just way too many weapons for them not to miss, for them to miss the postseason. I got to give them the five seed. This sixth seed is tricky. Buffalo's defense is one of the best in the league. We all know this. But will the defense be able to keep winning them games like they have? It's pretty much been that offense just doing enough to pull out victories. And going down the stretch, I don't think that that's going to be enough. I could see them missing the playoffs in this one, especially when you got teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars, who under Gardner Minshew has been clicking. At some point, Foles is going to come back, though. So that's going to be something to look out for. This Tennessee team, they're constantly around 500, 
But with the addition of Tannehill leading them now, they definitely look like they're better, even though they should have lost yesterday to the Buccaneers. Um, and for that AFC West, like you said, the Colts are – they've done – I'm sorry, the Raiders have done a complete 180 from last season, a complete 180, definitely better. And we know that this Chargers team always plays down to its opponents. But if either of those teams can turn it around – I can see them potentially fighting for a sixth seed as well. But who I'm going to give it to is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that this okay. offense with that defense can continue, continue to get better with running behind Leonard Fournette and those receivers. DJ Chark Jr. is it's coming on fast as one of the better receivers in this league. And regardless of who their quarterback is, I would like for it to stay Minshew because as a rookie, you can – rely on him going forward even though you just signed uh nick Foles to a contract this isn't something especially from a rookie that you would expect and this isn't something that you want to just throw out the window you're on a train right now and you you should definitely want to keep it rolling if you're jacksonville they are the sixth seed Minshew magic in full effect alex real quick what do you got for your afc teams well definitely just save some time <laughs> um the, the four <laughs> division winners of the four are going to be the same patriots chiefs uh, Ravens and the Colts, even though the AFC South, I think, could be really fun to watch down the stretch because anything could happen with how close they are. But I think the Colts not off, uh, hold off the Texans. Texans are that fifth team uh, and probably the only other legitimate playoff team this year. For that sixth seed, I am in a toss-up with the Bills, with the Raiders, and with the Jaguars. Um, I'm, but looking at it, I just go by the divisions. The Raiders are going to have to play the Chargers, who might wake up. But it might not be. It might be too late. So if they wake up, they're gonna have to play them again. They have to play the Chiefs again. The Broncos show signs of be, being able to play with anybody. That's gonna be tougher. Then then you look down at the Jaguars. They're gonna have to play the Colts and Texans again. I look at the Bills. They get to play the Jets and Dolphins again. They get to play the Redskins at home, and they get to play. I think looking at the schedule, a Denver team at home. Denver doesn't travel well. That's a game where uh, that's just looking at that part of the schedule. That should be nine to ten wins for this team that you could almost lock in. I'm not going to lock them in, but like you could almost do that. But um, So just because of that alone, I think the Bills squeak in with that sixth seed. And uh, and like Emery said before, are a quick um, first-round exit, especially if they have to play a team like Houston down in Houston. I just don't see um, – no, excuse me, not Houston, like an Indy, sorry, down in Indy. I just don't see how it's going to work. Well, we might get a clearer picture after this week as we get into the second half of the season. Let's talk about week nine. Four teams on the bye this week. The Rams, the Saints, the Falcons, and the Bengals all have the bye this week. And let's start with Thursday night from State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. Number one versus number two from last year's draft facing off Kyler Murray for the Cardinals, Nick Bosa for the 49ers. This could be an intriguing match with the way Arizona's played offensively. If they can get something going against the 49er defense, this might be a close ball game. Yeah, it, the one way you can combat pressure is with having a mobile quarterback that can escape it. So we'll see if that helps supersede some of the pass rush that they're going to see from San Francisco. Yeah, this is a divisional matchup. You know these both teams know each other well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what this defense can do against that mobile quarterback. Last week, Drew Brees was able to do – I mean, I know it's Drew Brees was able to do whatever he wanted to against this Arizona defense – um, they've showed signs of being better with Patrick Peterson and company and Chandler Jones starting to get in rhythm. But uh, this is a game for Jimmy Garoppolo where if they can stop the run in Arizona, they're going to have to put it on Jimmy Garoppolo, and he might have to have a bigger impact in this game. 
Moving to Sunday now, a rare morning game, another game from London. 9.30 in the morning Eastern time is when this is kicking off. The Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the Houston Texans, two of those teams that are fighting for potential playoff spots facing off at Wembley. Yeah, here's your AFC wild card invitational. You know, you, you talk about the Jags, and here's an opportunity for the Texans and Jags to essentially get a huge critical win, not only just in the division, but in the conference as a whole. Yeah, the Texans are going to be without J.J. Watt in this one for the season, really. But in this matchup, Deshaun Watson is going to have to go against this Jags defense who look to be getting better and better week in and week out. These two played a very tight defensive battle the first time around. Um, London throws in those crazy curveballs, and one team usually comes out sloppy. It's going to be in this to finish this game. It's going to be which team is able to limit their mistakes up in London. Let's move now to Buffalo. Bills taking on the Redskins. Obviously, Buffalo's defense has shown some cracks the last couple of weeks. This might be the exact game they need to get things ready, though, because the Redskins' offense has been doing nothing. But the problem is the Redskins' defense has played pretty solid, so we could see another game like we saw last Thursday night where it's a tight game where they just need their offense to have success. The question is, who's going to be quarterback? Will they go with Haskins, or will Haskins have to come in once again with another mythical injury that you don't see from <laughs> – uh, Case Keenum, so we'll see. But this this has sloppy written all over it. Definitely does. I mean, the Bills. This Bills team's just got gashed by the Eagles on the ground. And ever since John Gruden, uh, Jay Gruden left the Redskins, it looks like they've been trying to get this running game going more and more. So I look to see what the Bills are going to do to stop AP in this one. Yeah, and with the run game going, the Eagles ran for 200 yards against this Bills defense last week. So if they can get the run game going with Adrian Peterson, this could be, like you said, a very close and sloppy game like we used to seeing. Prior, 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 uh, uh, prior to this game, it's just amazing that Frank Gore is going to finish this season <laughs> third all time. Like That's just blowing my mind. Um, like we, you're talking about Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders, and Frank Gore. Before we go anywhere further, we have breaking news that just happened. According to Adam Schefter, the Jets have traded Leonard Williams to the Giants for a 3 in 2020 and a 5 in 2021. Per a source, that is from Adam Schefter. One minute ago on Twitter, that is going down. Let the trade deadline chaos commence. Can he play receiver? (laughs) I don't think he can, but I don't think he can. He might be able to play quarterback. I'm not sure. We'll see. He well, gets one sack for the Giants. I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> one sack. He's probably going to lead the Giants at the end of the season. Let's keep going here. Titans taking on the Panthers in Charlotte. Two teams right around that 500 mark looking for a wild card position, looking for momentum. It's going to be a critical one. This is the equivalent of the FCS playoffs where it's your play-in game. This is like the the NIT. You know, These are your, your tournaments. Because, again, whoever loses this game essentially probably – their playoff hopes are, are, are shot. So critical game here between those two. Yeah, both teams really need this game. You know it's going to be defensive. Both of these teams are going to lie heavy on the run game with McCaffrey and Derrick Henry on one side. Which defense is going to step up more? Kyle Allen finally threw a couple of picks. Looked like the backup quarterback we were all expecting at some point. Uh, playing against a very tough uh, defense with possibly the defensive player of the year on the other side. What? Um, so uh, you never. But let's see. This is a game for Kyle Allen to. Uh, is he going to take that? Continue to take that step backwards, or is he going to be able to step up and manage this game like he has been all year? Let's move now to Arrowhead. This game could be a really entertaining one. The Vikings taking on the Chiefs. Chiefs looking okay without Patrick Mahomes in terms of their offense. We talked about Kirk Cousins. Which one shows up? Right now, it's the good Kirk Cousins for Minnesota. This one could go back and forth to the end. 
it could go back and forth. And shout out to the Chiefs, man. Everyone came into that game Sunday night thinking that this is going to be a snooze fest and it turned out to be the best game of the weekend. And so Matt Moore is not afraid of pressure, and I'm glad that he's their quarterback because it helps keep them on pace. We don't know if we're going to see Pat Mahomes, but I want to see another inspired effort defensively from Kansas City. Maybe they can cover the running backs this time in the passing because that's something they didn't do at all against Green Bay. Yeah, it was talked about before last night's game that maybe Pat Mahomes would play. And this is a game I can see them sort of pushing him into playing. But Matt Moore did play well enough for them not to play him in this one. This is going to be a good one. You know that the Vikings are going to be looking to get Dalvin Cook the ball a lot, especially since uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams gashed the Chiefs this past weekend. But will, which Chiefs offense is going to get going? Are these receivers like Tyreek Hill and Miko Hardman going to do work against that stout Vikings defense? I feel like all these great games the Chiefs have had this year have been at home, right? And I feel like they're always at Arrowhead, but uh, this game is going to – I'm looking at the Chiefs' defense in this one. They've stepped up. I know they gave up 31 last week, and they gave up those big gains to the running back, but uh, the weeks prior they've been really – they've been getting that to the quarterback, so we'll see if they can get some pressure on Kirk Cousins in this one. Uh, This next game, I'm not sure what they're competing for more. Will it be an actual win in the game or the first overall pick? Jets at Dolphins. Jets defense just got significantly worse as of about two minutes ago. Um, How do we see this one going in Miami? Listen, I think when you look at a a team that that needs a win, I think the Jets need one more than the Dolphins. Um, And Miami is in full-fledged rebuild, but this one will be a defensive battle. This game, I think, will look a lot like the Jags game. If Darnold can protect the football, they have a great chance to win. But I think both defense will, defenses will step up, even without Leonard Williams. I think we'll see an inspired defensive effort in this one. If you look at on paper, the Jets have the better offense. The Jets also have the better defense. But this is a Jets-Dolphins matchup here. And this game goes either way, anytime these two play each other. And it is down in Miami. I think the Dolphins might have a chance to get their first victory in this one. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be playing up against the Jets, and I feel like that's going to be a little extra motivation for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And this team is playing with nothing to lose, so they just—they're going to go out and they're going to go—they're going to ball out. And Adam Gase has a lot to lose. He's going up against his old team. He's at one in six. All the question marks are already happening. Um, I could, and the quarterback struggling. I mean, the, so right now it's got to be favored Miami Dolphins in this one. I think one sound can sum up this entire game. Excuse me. That's just going to be a throw-up-in-your-mouth kind of a game, folks. I I don't know if it's even worth watching. Bears at the Eagles, the next one from Lincoln Financial Field. Eagles looked much better last week. If their Bears defense isn't on their toes, this could be over by halftime. I think the Eagles are going to run into the same situation they just ran into with Buffalo. Very good defense, quarterback that's non-existent uh, or even consistent. The problem is this offense has way more playmakers than – Uh, Buffalo does so it could get interesting but this is another tough defensive battle for the Eagles to overcome so good thing they had that game that practice against the Bills in inclement weather so we'll see how they handle success against Chicago rematch of last year's postseason game where the Bears missed the kick to beat the Eagles in the postseason. This is going to be a good one. You know everybody in Chicago wants this one bad. It's a prove-it game pretty much. Pretty much saying we should have won last season. Uh-huh. Um, like you said, the Bears has way more talented than the Bills last week. The Bears team, the, the, this whole team has to prove something because they should have handled the Chargers last week. And coming in against the Eagles, a better team, conference game, the Bears need this one. 
did the Bears actually find a running game? This is the first time last week that they actually did something on the ground. They're going to have to rely on that heavily to keep the Eagles offense off the field and to give them a chance to bounce back into the win column. Into the 405 games from the Coliseum in Oakland. Lions taking on the Raiders. Usually when Lions are involved in the Coliseum, it's not good for the other team on the other side, but it might not be bad for the Raiders this time around. Might not be bad at all, but this is a, an intriguing game because both teams are very similar. Lions defense plays inspired, so does the Raiders defense, which often shows up will be the key. Yeah, like you said, the Lions have been playing better every week, week in and week out. This Raiders team just I mean, which which Raiders team are you gonna get? Are you gonna get the the two thousand and nineteen squad or are you gonna get the two thousand and eighteen squad that gets routed? But regardless, this is gonna be a, a good game. You know, Gruden wants to get Josh Jacobs the ball. The Lions want Stafford to sling it around. It's gonna be interesting which defense is gonna step up big. Yeah, to further Troy's point, not only which team 2018-2019, but week eight or week nine. It feels like it's every week they're a different team, the Oakland Raiders. If they put together a week like they had, um, a good week like they've had in the last couple of weeks, this could be a very, very good game. Matt Stafford and company always play to their level of competition. So if the Raiders can keep up with that, this could be a game that comes down to the end. Next one up, Seattle taking on the Bucks. Seahawks 6-2, and two. Buccaneers trying to find any kind of footing. Where do we see this one at CenturyLink Field? This is a tough game for Tampa Bay, but the Bucks have an opportunity here if they take advantage of uh, not turning the ball over. They can they can throw deep on Seattle, but can they throw accurately deep on Seattle will be the key. I mean, that's always the case. Which Jameis is going to show up? Is it going to be the Jameis that gives you the multiple turnovers, or is it going to be the Jameis that just does enough for them to gain the victory? Regardless, though, the Buccaneers are not only going against the Seahawks, they're going against that 12th man. And you know Russell Wilson is going to do everything in his power to get it done. We've saw Seattle now the last couple of weeks. They struggled with Baltimore, and then last week had a chance to really put Atlanta away and didn't. So if they're in a situation again where they have a big lead, will they put them away, or are they going to allow Tampa Bay to throw their way back into the game is going to be the question here. Back to Heinz Field, the Colts taking on the Steelers. Colts trying to hold on to the division. Steelers' defense has looked better. They're trying to drag their way back into the playoff contention. How do we see this one going? Might be the best defensive matchup of the week. Both defenses are excellent. Love the linebackers on both squads. Should be a lot of second-level plays made by, by those guys uh, backing up that defensive line. Looking for Brissett to bounce back in what was probably his worst game of the season uh, this past week. Um, pretty much the only game of the season where he hasn't thrown all over the place and for multiple touchdowns. So looking for him to going up against this improved Steelers defense to bounce back strong. It's funny you say his worst game of the week. Because, and it wasn't a bad game. Right, because on these doggone morning shows, they're, they're going to talk about they, they said that Jacoby Brissett should now be in the MVP conversation after his performance yesterday. What did they say in week one? What did they say in week one? That's the question. Yeah, exactly. So, go ahead. I'm sorry, Alex. No, no that's fine. Um, in this one, it's going to be, for me, it's going to be, can Mason Rudolph keep up with Jacoby Brissett and this Indy, uh, Indy offense? Because you know this Indy team is not going to make mistakes. So, if Mason Rudolph can limit his mistakes, this will be a good game. But if not, we can see this game getting out of hand. Let's quickly get into the last four games here. The Battle of Discontent, Browns versus Broncos. Neither team's fans or players or coaches or anyone for that matter are happy right now. Somebody has to get something positive out of this week, or is this a tie? If we don't see <laughs> if we don't see 30 carries in this game combined between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, I'm gonna be upset. The Browns have enough, more than enough, to to put a lot of points on this on this Broncos football team. Yeah, this is a game that 
you can see either being a shootout or you can see being a a 10 to 14 type game. I mean, you got the Broncos team who should be reeling after Joe Flacco's comments. This offense should open up more and allow him to sling the ball downfield in this one. But it's going to be interesting because both of these teams have talent at the wide receiver spot. I would say a little bit more talented. No, I shouldn't say more talented, but more prone to running the ball. It's going to be a good matchup on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I'm interested to see what what the response is from the coaching staff for the Broncos if they're going to let Flacco throw the ball down the field or are they just going to give the ball 30 times to Philip Lindsay? If they want a chance to win, maybe they give the ball 30 times to Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. So, um, but we'll see how this goes. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see the response, though. This next one could get very ugly very, very quickly. The Chargers, they do often play up to their competition, but they can't move mountains. They're hosting the Green Bay Packers this week. Yeah, it could it could be out of hand, but I mean, listen, when you talk about the Green Bay Packers, you talk about their offense, you talk about the Chargers playing consistent. Which Chargers te- team shows up? This game is a is a big game, spotlight game, afternoon game. Watch we get the best Chargers team we've seen all season long. Yeah, I mean, we know that the Chargers play the competition. We say it all the time. I don't think that this game will get out of hand. It would be up to Phillip Rivers, though, and Melvin Gordon, which Melvin Gordon is going to show up, but it's going to be up to Phillip Rivers to keep them in this game against this Packers defense, who is pretty stout. The Chargers struggle big time defensively with stopping the running game. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have been pretty much everything for this Packers offense of the last few weeks. So that's going to be the big question as far as matchup goes, but... One thing that's not going to help the Chargers is that when you have a team that with fans that travel well, like Pittsburgh and like Green Bay, it, their home games inter- end up being away games. So it's going to be a, a tough environment for themselves, which is going to be the ironic part. One quick note before we get to the primetime games. That trade between the Jets and the Giants, it's the first one ever, ever. between yep. the two franchises. So oh. Leonard Williams, again, going to the Giants for a 2023rd rounder and a fifth rounder in 2021. Sunday night this week, this it could be one of the most entertaining games of the season. New England Patriots undefeated go to Baltimore to take on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. This one could be really, really close. Could be really close because you know what the dynamic of the Ravens' offense is, the run game. And it's going to be up to the Patriots' defense to stop the run, play assignment sound, and not allow Lamar Jackson to to be a dual threat. You want to take away one option of his game, whether that's his running ability or his passing ability. Defense for the Ravens will have to play its best game because we know what the strain the Patriots' short, quick passing game does to the defense. So, I like the strategy that's going to be here from both coaches in Harbaugh and also Belichick. This is going to be a great matchup. Not only do both are both of these teams one of the best teams in the league, but Harbaugh against Belichick has happened a numerous amounts of times right now, and they're always good games. Whether it have been in the playoffs or regular season, they've always been good games. So I see this game coming down to the wire. The question is, what is the Patriots' defense going to do when Lamar Jackson gets on the run in this one? Yeah, the one thing about the Patriots' defense in this game, you can't rely on going cover zero like they did against Baker at times and against Sam Donald with, with these young quarterbacks. With Lamar Jackson, you go cover zero and you don't get the sack, he's taking it, he's in his own 20s, taking it 80 yards to the house. That's just the way it is. And that's going to be the big question on what the Patriots do differently defensively to stop a guy like Lamar Jackson. But it is New England and it is a young quarterback and Bill Belichick seems to find a way. So that's going to be the, the perfect matchup in this one. And one last game to talk about, big divisional matchup at MetLife Stadium on Monday. The Cowboys at the Giants. 
Emery, you'll be at this game. This is a, almost a must-win for the Giants if they want to have any say in this division. Cowboys coming in looking better than they did a couple weeks ago. It's a must-win for the Cowboys as well because the Eagles have won and the Cowboys have to keep pace. They have to continue to win because there's only, they're only one game out of first place. But we'll see how much of an impact Leonard Williams can make on his defense. Um, <laughs> you know, you pair him up now with Dexter Lawrence and you have – uh, the kid from NC State that, that they drafted last year that, that's pretty good, and Delvin Tomlinson. Um, you know, so the defensive line shouldn't be a problem. It's the second level that's an issue. I think they should start O'Shane Zimenez and pair him up with you know once Lorenzo Carter gets back out there at full strength. So we'll see, but it'll be all about the the, the secondary of the Giants and can they stop this passing offense of Dallas. This game is over. There's no way the Cowboys win now that the Giants have Leonard Williams. <laughs> Let me stop. Let me As stop. you wear a Giants sweatshirt. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait for him to be lined up in the slot to catch Let the me uh, stop. Let, let me tell nuts. you why you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, yeah, one, one, one player, in the addition of one player on the defensive line is going to help the Giants, but it's not going to do so far as to get them the W against this Cowboys team. The, this Cowboys team is one of the most complete teams in the NFL. Uh, just all facets, offense, defense, pretty much every position here. Um, Daniel Jones played way better last week than he had the previous weeks. Four touchdowns through the air. Will he be able to do that against the Cowboys? We know in their first matchup, Dak Prescott lit the Giants up there was nothing he could do wrong in that game now at this point in the season the defense has been so up and down for the giants will they be be able to do enough to stop dak yeah this game is going to be uh it's i think it's gonna be much different than that first matchup the giants are a completely different team on both sides of the ball they had chances the giants to keep it close in that first game despite how poorly that defensive uh, defense played and eli was seemed to be the issue in that one now you got daniel jones a few games under his belt um and you got the defense who's just been playing much better. You do mention Leonard Williams will will be impactful with the running game as far as Zeke goes. So this game is definitely going to be maybe a classic Giants and Cowboys game that we're used to from the past. You say everything has changed for the Giants. One thing hasn't changed. The record still poor. That'll do it for the NFL All 32 podcast, folks. Again, if you want to listen back on this podcast, go to SoundCloud or iTunes where you can listen back on them on demand. And don't forget to check out the NFL All 32 show if you live in the New York area on Optimum on the Game Plus Network. For Troy Anthony, Alex Marinoni, the star of the playbook, Emery Hunt, this is David Hasagan. Thanks for listening in.